I am just getting so sick. Yeah. Of this of this cat. I love him. He's so cute. Tell me about it. Why does everyone love this fucking cat? Because he looks like a little hellion. He is. I know. C- correct. He's great. So so this cat like he's he's stupid but he remembers. Oh. He remembers. Oh no. Everything. Okay. Oh, no. When I first got him, I had to take him to go get spayed. Or, excuse me, neutered. Neutered. He's a dude. Um, I had to go take him to he go was get a neutered. Dude. So, what? He was a dude. He's a gib now. Don't- <laughs> what the? That's what it's what? called. Gib. G-I-B. Neutered male an- cats are called gibs because they have no testicles anymore. They're called gibs. The- Look it up. Google the- it. It's real. The the fact that there's <laughs> terminologies for castrated animals yeah. really weirds me out. No. Yeah. I don't know. And why do you know that? I, I, I random facts that pulled out of my brain from a best friend who was really into cats. I don't know. <laughs> Here we are. That's. I don't know. I really expect you to just say the bees. <laughs> also, the bees. It's definitely the bees. It's what the bees are. Why I remembered. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, what are they called? Gibbs. Gibbs. Okay. Yeah. So my gib of a cat. Okay. <laughs> so putting him in the crate was a was a nightmare. To because like. I didn't know that you don't need to put cats in face first. You do it, like, backwards. So that when right. they get scared, they back up. So they back up into the crate. Absolutely. That's actually I, pretty smart. Yeah. So I learned that not the first time. Um, so I got the shit clawed out of me. They're, the cat left claw marks in the hardwood floor. Ah. So it was traumatic for the both of us. More so for him. Um, so, so he was never crate trained. And then that was his first experience. So we've oh. we've I have grown... I have grown with him. I have worked with him mm-hmm. on adjusting to that. So because of that, he has never gotten into a box. Okay. And if it's, yeah. So it ha- the biggest, it has to be a huge box if he's right. going to get into it. Like, Because okay. he goes into a massive litter box. Right. But if you put do like a little, little litter box where you just put the lid on top of the litter bottom, uh-huh. he won't go into it. Okay, Will that's not fair. Do it. He's spooked. He's like, oh, no, you're going to take me to the vet and I'm going to get my junk cut off again. Right, so I have to do like a massive box, like the fifty gallon Ugh. huge thing. So anyway, never I've seen him in a box once, okay. and then I, I took pictures of it, yeah. right? And then I was like, "This cat's never gonna get in a box again." But he was so cute when he was in the box <laughs> until, okay, until yeah, I bought this like water filtration system, and yeah. it came in a huge box. Okay, so I you know took it all apart. The box is on the floor, and I'm I'm playing with my filtration system, and I look. And this fucking asshole's in the box. Yay. He's what a just cute baby. In... Now I can't get rid of the box. <laughs> so now I've just got a random fucking cardboard box as part of my furniture now. Oh, well. That's his. <laughs> and so he'll get in it. Are you in it? No, he's in the kitchen. So he just gets in it. Yeah. Um, I had to sacrifice a little bit of the cardboard to start a fire. So I cut like one yeah. panel off of it. But Fair. he still has the box. And he just lives in this fucking box. That's so like, cute. Like he'll just... He jumps in the box and like watches me get ready in the like he like like his, the, his sitting area is designated That's in so the box. That's so cute. But what's so fucking creepy is that this cat has laser beam eyes. <laughs> he does. They just glow all the fucking time, and I don't understand. I've never seen a cat with eyes that just glow consistently like his. So I always get ready in the morning, kind of in the dark. Like mm-hmm. I put on like low lights just because I, God, I have to get up at like five in the morning. So he'll be in his box and I won't see him in there. Like I think I'll see him in there and I'll go, 
and his head just fucking whips and you just see two little glowing eyes just like peering out of the box and i'm like you are the creepiest fucking cat i have ever seen box demon and i remembered he used to scare the shit out of me when i lived in the apartment yeah because there was not a light bulb in the closet yeah. at the apartment that I lived in. So sometimes I'd be sitting there at my computer coding and I would feel eyes on me and I would look into the closet, which yeah. was pitch black, and you would just see little, like, little fucking glowing eyes. That's so cute. And it would scare the shit out of me. And I'm like, oh, God. But I was like, no, it's not the devil. It's just my devil cat. It's so, just my cat. So Aww. now he he hops in the box and he gets zoomies in the box and he'll run circles in the box chasing paper balls in the box. That's the cutest fucking thing I've ever heard. God, that cat's so cute. <laughs> I miss him. And, and he doesn't know how to coordinate himself. So like I was dragging my finger along the edge and then sometimes as he's trying to like claw my hand, he'll get too excited and he'll like halfway fall out of the oh. box and be like laying on the edge like, oh shit, and like flop out of the box. And I'm like, you're... So stupid. He's so cute, so though. Cute. He's so cute, though. So he'll run zoomies in the box, yeah. jump out of the box, and just fly underneath the couch. Oh, I love it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, but he's been a little lonely, and in the future, I will probably be getting him like another cat. Yeah, So I'm going to be getting my, my cat a cat. Yeah, you're going to get your cat a cat, and then eventually you have to get your cat's cat a cat, you know? Which will probably happen. Yeah, absolutely. It will, it will probably happen. What a sweet baby. I love him. He's so so that's, that's that's the update with the cat. He's gotten to be such a shithead since I, he spent some time with his uh, aunt and uncle who spoiled him. That sounds tremendously. right. Absolutely. Yes. So now yeah. he just begs for food nonstop from me, and I can't stand it. <laughs> that sounds about right. Absolutely. What a what a sweet baby. Yeah. Well, do you wanna do you wanna hear a stupid story about uh, some stupid people at the place I work? Yeah. Okay. Great. So, <laughs> I run the cashier place. Right. I'm the cashier person. So I have one of my one of my cashiers. Uh, I was in the middle of doing something, and one of my cashiers was like, "Hey Zoe, can you come here?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, what's up?" Because I'm the person. Whenever there's an issue, they're like, "Hey, come here, solve my problem." So I walk over and I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" And she hands me this like hundred dollar bill, and she's like, or she like holds it up, and she's like, "Hey, do we have one of those like pens to check and see if something's real?" And I was like, "Nah, gimme." And then I touch it, and in front of this little customer that's wearing a mask and like a hat. So you can only see like just her eyes in front of this customer. I grab this hundred dollar bill and I go, that's fake as shit as I touch it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went, oh, oh, no, hold on. Give me a minute. Let me go run it through my machine. So then I go to the cash offices as I'm going in. I'm like, hey, can I get a manager up to the cash room, please? And then a manager comes in. and I'm like, here, touch this. And the manager goes, oh, that's fake as shit. (laughs) both of us are looking at this bill and i'm like i don't know it's like part of the 1930 series which fun fact for those of you who don't work with currency the 1930 series does not have the little face in the corner but it does have microfibers that you can tell like the way the fibers run on the actual bill that it is real fun fact 
Huh, okay. So this was a 1930s series, apparently it was supposed to be, but it didn't have any of the microfibers. It literally felt like instead of being printed on cotton paper, it felt like it was just fucking printer paper. Like <gasps> literally the fakest fucking bill I've ever seen in my life. So, like like <laughs> Monopoly money. Yes. Like this bitch could have fucking handed you Monopoly money and would have felt the same. Literally, absolutely. I was like, I was looking for it because sometimes you get bills that have the, uh, like the red stamp on it that says like not real currency that they use in movies that's happened before and i was like that's not here but this literally feels like it's on fucking printer paper so then we're like okay we got to get like the big boss so then we get the big boss in there and we hand it to him and he goes oh that's fake as shit (laughs) (laughs) what do you want me to do and then we're like well I guess go hand like go let them know that we're keeping the bill and they're gonna have to find another form of payment. So we like the manager because I was like I'm not doing it because she'll probably fight me and I don't want to get fired. So because I was like I straight up in front of her said that it was fake as shit and they went no you didn't. I was like watch the camera I did. Oh. <laughs> so they go out to her and they're like hey I'm so sorry you're gonna have to pay with something different. She leans over snatches it out of the person's hands and runs out the door. <laughs> are, you, are you fucking serious yes so that happened uh we got their license plate number good no good good story about that uh, so yeah that's really funny uh we called everybody else in the little like chain of stores that we're at and we're like hey just so you know this person entered description here was in here a minute ago with a fake hundred dollar bill just keep your eyes out so that was fun whoa yeah yeah so that's the story of how i uh offended a scam artist <laughs> who gives a shit <laughs> absolutely there was a another time recently that i don't know if i've told you but there was a, a customer that tried to shortchange me um and i was very rude to that person uh and i was like let me just go watch the cameras you sit your happy ass right here i'll be back like oh boy sometimes sometimes people get me you called me i think on your break yeah. for that one it was like this fucking bitch <laughs> Let me tell you. As you were time. very mad about that oh, one. Oh, absolutely. I was angry. People make me upset sometimes. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. But you want to know what shouldn't make you upset? Uh, yeah. Why do you always say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. I just do. It's uh, how I talk. It's the bees. <laughs> it's the bees. The bees make me pause. It's it's spooky stories. Ooh. All right, what do you want? Tell me. Uh, heads. I, I, I want you to know what I just did. What? What'd you just do? <clears throat> I picked up the quarter. I, I literally, it's right here on my mouse pad. I picked it up and then looked in my other hand for the fucking quarter. <laughs> Whoa! I need to go to sleep. I was gonna say, <laughs> I think you're a little tired. Holy shit! Okay, you said heads. Yes, I did. Okay. Ah! Okay. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? Heads, you go first. Okay, great. Uh, first off, I have a joke for you. Just real oh. quick. Oh, okay. What if life gives you melons? What? You're dyslexic. Shut the fuck <laughs> <laughs> That one legitimately took me a minute to figure out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a boob joke or oh, something. No, way better. <laughs> You're dyslexic. Oh, way, Christ. Way better. Shut <laughs> 
anyways, okay. Um, there's something that we do here. Oh, oh! If you want to hear Zoe's stupid jokes some more, please yeah. be sure to head on over to. <laughs> They're so good. Head on over to uh, Patreon.com/slash Haunt Her. Barely know her. What? I just pulled out a cup of wine I forgot about from earlier. Are you fucking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do my skate here. I'm Shut sorry. Up. <laughs> Is that is that like Jesus's cup? Did he bestow that wine on you? Uh, no. It Gary actually it says, bestowed it upon me earlier. It says, "Hello, handsome, handsome." Yeah, okay. I Anyways, am a handsome we, woman. It's you're true. a handsome woman. Yes. Okay. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Amen. So, <laughs> go to Patreon. We have two tiers: five dollar tiers. You could just support us, get a shout out on our podcast, close friends on Instagram, and then if you subscribe to our seven dollar tier, we have bonus episodes. Zoe, it is your turn to do another it bonus is. episode. And um, you get a sticker, a shout out, and access to our notes. Woo! Wee! Okay. All right. So we're doing something a little different for these episodes. Or this this episode. This episode. This singular episode. Singular episode, two stories. For these two stories in this episode, we decided to cover movies. Woo! And and talk about, like, how the movie happens and actually how, what actually happened in, in the event that the movie covers. Hell Yeah. I think so, it's, it's fun so, and spicy. I'm so glad you liked it. I just yeah. came up with that out of the blue. Um, so tell me, Zoe Knowlton, what is your movie that you're covering today? So my movie is The Amityville Horror, <laughs> which is- uh, Which- Go ahead. No, I was going to say which- um, for, for the listeners. Which, which iteration? Uh, the original yeah. <laughs> 1979 version. Um, so I'm going to tell you what happened, like the actual, like, like those of you who haven't seen the movie, number one, what's wrong with you? Uh, number two, the 1979 movie is far superior to any of the remakes, except possibly the 2005 with Ryan Reynolds. It was okay, but the 79 what? was better. Yeah. The seven, wait, wait, wait. The 2005 had Ryan Reynolds in it? Yeah. Yeah. He was the, the, the main lead fella that was George Lutz. Why did we not watch that version? Because the, the 79 f- is scarier. No, it's the 79. Mm. Okay. For, as somebody who is, we'll, we'll say sensitive uh-huh. to scary materials, yeah. it was not scary. You shush. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed <laughs> I mean, it. No, it was great. Except for the fact he walked around in his tidy whities for like a whole scene. And I was re- well, like, I yeah, couldn't. That was, I was the like, 70s. The- I hate it. <laughs> I mean, she walked, like, she was doing, uh, pilates in her undies i mean gorgeous see? beautiful see? 10 out of t- it, it has the same <laughs> it has Ned genitalia. <laughs> there's even some priests and some nuns in there it's a little something for everyone you know um what <laughs> what the fuck anyways okay go ahead yeah so uh if you haven't seen that movie you should probably go watch it because it's great uh otherwise you might not know like at my little ending section when I talk about like the differences between the movie and the reality. But I'm going to at first tell you all about the true Amityville horror when it actually happened. There have been 16, count them, 16 ladies and gentlemen, movies about the Amityville horror. That's a lot. It's a lot That's of a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of, of movies. movies. Yeah. There have been three books so far written about the Amityville horror. And pretty much every single one of the movies use the actual, like, picture of the house as its movie poster, which I think is kind of interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So for, like, every single movie that was shot, there was, or at least the original 79 version, they recreated a house that looked exactly like 
the Amityville Horror House in New Jersey, which I think oh. is really funny, like of all the places. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, because they couldn't use the, the one in New York, so they just built one in Jersey. Like, who would even live in Jersey? <sighs> like, why? It's a great question. I Every time I think about Jersey, I think about how the air fucking yeah. Yeah. stunk Absolutely. when I drove on the turnpike. Like, Absolutely. Stinks. Literal stinks. Okay. Yeah. I'm done. It's very strange. I don't understand. Don't like me. I mean, I'm listening to you, so I'm looking okay. at you. Okay, fair enough. Nobody else is looking <laughs> at me. You're just hearing my voice, so there. Ha! Ha-ha! <laughs> the house where our story takes place is actually located at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, Long Island. I didn't know Amityville was a place. Now you recently. do. Yeah, here we are. The home was just like any other in the neighborhood, overly expensive, and this like pretty Dutch colonial style, uh, until that is November 13th, 1974. And here is where things get really fucking gross. And we're going to talk about some murder, ladies and gentlemen. So if you are not into that, skip forward a bit. Yes. Blake, sit down. Oh, no, it's not descriptive. It's just like some bad oh, things. Yeah. It's, just, it. it's okay. just some shit. It's it's fine. It's it's more like talking about the case and like what actually happened. Than, oh, like, okay. I thought how I was brutal gonna be, like, it gross. is. Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm okay. trying not to get all brutal because we're not a true crime podcast. Because Blake's, yeah, Blake's yeah. not also going to sit down. Absolutely. So it's no, fine. Because he'll say, fuck you guys. I'm fine. Until one day he won't be fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a text message from him that's just going to say, fuck you guys. I'm fine. And I'm going to mm-hmm. be like, what oh, the fuck? Absolutely. Fu- <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so on the 13th of November, 1974, 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. entered Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, yelling, you gotta help me, I think my mother and father are shot. He and a small group of people went back to the house to find that his parents had indeed been shot and killed, as well as his four younger siblings. All of them had been murdered in their beds. Oh! Yep. Yep. So, Ronald DeFeo Sr., who's 43, Louise DeFeo who was also 43, Don was 18, Allison was 13, Mark 12, and John Matthew, 9, had all been shot with a 35 caliber lever action Martin rifle around 3 a.m. that morning. The parents had each been shot twice and the children once. I have a question. I have an answer. How did none of them wake up to the gunshot? That's a great question. There were no, there was no evidence of any sort of drugs in any of their systems. Right. So I don't have an answer for you. No one does. It must have just been a family of heavy-ass sleepers. I, d- I don't know. Um, That's... I have no answer. Uh, okay. Louise and uh. Allison both did wake up after they were shot and were awake to bleed to death. That's... Oh. They didn't wake up... Uh, it's assuming because every single one of them was face down in bed. So they, they, were, they were all face down. They weren't placed that way. So I don't have an answer. Mm. Mm, it's mm, not a good mm. time. I don't have an answer. Uh, the family had all lived there together since 1965, and all six victims were later buried at St. Charles Cemetery in Farmingdale. Ronald DeFeo Jr. was the eldest son of the family and was the only surviving family member. He was immediately taken into protective police custody after he suggested that the murders had been committed by Louis Finale, a local mob hitman. It was him. The story soon fell apart when Finale had an alibi, and DeFeo ended up confessing to the murders. The next day, he said, quote, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Bro. I don't know how you can just uh, make the decision of, oh, I'm going to kill everyone in my family. Six Mm -hmm. members of my family. What? I'm going to take this lever action rifle that's not even like a quick shot. I have to like fucking cock it between every single shot and it's going to happen. It doesn't go fast, motherfucker. It does not. Ugh. Okay. 
So he said after the murders, he took a bath, redressed, discarded his bloody clothes in the rifle before going to work as normal. <gasps> Psychopath. Absolutely. He tried to get a conviction uh, out of the conviction with an insanity plea, claiming that he kept hearing voices in his head while he was in the house telling him that his entire family was going to kill him and he had to kill them first. In addition to that, there were some strange things about the murders. Like I said, all of the victims were found face down on their beds while they were asleep. How could they have been shot with a rifle, which is loud as shit, and none of them wake up? There were no drugs, nothing in their system. So why were they all out and then just like waiting to get killed? That doesn't make sense. Regardless, on November 21st, 1975, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. And on December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentenced DeFeo to six consecutive life sentences, 25 to life sentences. Ooh. DeFeo remained in Sullivan Correctional Facility in the town of Fallsburg, New York, until his death on March 12th, 2021, at the age of 69. Oh, damn. He yeah. just recently died. Yes, ma'am. I was not expecting it to have been that recent. Uh, I didn't actually know that he had died. So, yeah. Wild. We'll never get the answer to why he did it. He changed his story multiple times, uh, and he actually made several different appeals repeatedly to the court system to let him out. Uh, at one point, he made made a story that... It wasn't just him. It was he and his eldest sister had conspired against their father because her, their father was very abusive and they wanted to kill him. And they did so. And the mom woke up and then the mom killed all the children because she couldn't provide for the family. And it was better for them to be dead than to starve to death. And then that obviously didn't happen because every single one of them was in bed asleep. It, it, the whole thing doesn't make sense. He made up so many different versions of the story to try and get himself out of a conviction. It not a good time. Good. Yeah. Good. Not, good. Not a good time. And rot. Yeah. But he did. He did. Now, 13 months after the murders, the Lutz family purchases the home at 112 Ocean, Ocean Avenue for a drastically reduced price of $80,000. That is very, very cheap because they were it's on a, a river. massive. Yep, massive house. Yep, uh, huge house, uh, really pretty house, a uh, very expensive house. Uh, the reduced price was, of course, due to the murders, which the family was completely fully aware of, totally okay with it, um, which is kind of kind of spicy and kind of gross to me. Um, the worst part, in my personal opinion, is that the furniture from the DeFeos they kept for an additional $400. That included Ew. all of the bed frames where the family had been murdered. All they did was switch out the mattresses. That was left in the movie. Yep. That the bed frames were left in the rooms. And they actually were. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Yep. That's a real fact. And real fucking that's, gross. That's a little rough. Yep. That's the one that, that's, that's, that's the step that's too far. Yeah. That one is not good for me. Ugh. Now, the family consisted of George Lutz, who was the stepfather Kathy, who was the mother, and then their three children, who George adopted, uh, Daniel, who was nine, Christopher, who was seven, and Melissa, who was five. A family friend had heard about the murders and the Lutz family's intentions to, like, buy the house and move in, and they were like, hey, you need to get a priest and bless the house just in case. So George, who was, like, a, a non-practicing Methodist, had no idea how the fuck you do that. He was like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. Now, the wife, Kathy, was a non-practicing Catholic, so she was like, oh, I got this, babe. Uh, give me just a minute. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so she calls up a priest and is like, hey, can you come do a house blessing? So he does. A priest comes in and does a house blessing. Everything's cool. Until he gets to a room that was uh, two of the boys, um, the two boys were murdered in that room, He what it, which is like now going to be Kathy's sewing room. As he's like in the sewing room, blessing the room, he hears an audible voice tell him to get out with like mm. nobody, right? So the priest hears that. And for some fucking reason, this asshole doesn't say a word to the family, doesn't say anything, doesn't mention it to them. Later on, he, he like gets this feeling that he needs to tell the family that that happened and maybe they should stay out of that room like nobody should stay in there so he goes to call them all he gets is static every time he tries to talk to the family on the phone so that's cool whoa yeah this family lasted a full 28 days in this house before they moved out clothes in the closets foods in the fridge doesn't matter they got the fuck out so that's cool and exciting right that's nice tell me more yeah tell me more someone asked why they left the house they said that it was haunted, not like a little bit haunted, but like big haunted, like big boy haunted, like capital H haunted, haunted, haunted. <laughs> so some of the things that they experienced, uh, George would wake up every night at 3.15 a.m. on the dot. That was the time that they determined the murders took place. So that's cool. The family would experience cold spots in some rooms or like whole rooms that were just fucking freezing. They would see green slime oozing out of the walls. Oh, uh, yeah, that one's that one's fun. They would hear and see doors and windows opening and closing by themselves. They there were times that George would roll over in bed to like look at his wife in the middle of the night, and she would be an old woman, and then he would like blink and like freak out a little bit, and then she'd be young again. There were times that he would roll over to look at his wife, and she would be levitating asleep, levitating off of the bed. That that's too far. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that one's that one's that's fun. that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's the one where you don't. Yep, <laughs> yep. That one's that one's great, right? That one's super good. Uh, George would hear his children's beds slamming up and down against the floor in the middle of the night, but he couldn't do anything because he was being held down by an invisible force. Were the kids screaming? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes they were like paralyzed themselves. Sometimes they could scream. It just depended. Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, sometimes the family would hear the sounds of like a marching band in the middle of the night when like nothing was going on. That one was a little strange. And then they, that yeah. makes sense because they did that in the movie yes. and I was like, yeah, yeah. Why are they playing like it, taps or whatever the hell it was called? So I just was so confused. Yep. That's that's why. That's okay. Right. Oh, okay, what else do we have? So the youngest Missy, Melissa, everybody called her Missy when she was little. She suddenly began to play with an invisible friend named Jody. Jody was a demonic pig with red glowing eyes that George saw on multiple occasions hanging around his daughter. So there would be times that she was just talking to someone and they couldn't, they were like, well, that's just an imaginary friend. Like she's little, she's five, right? And then there was a day that George looked like through the window because he was outside and she was inside like playing. And he saw a demonic pig face just over her shoulder, like making eye contact with him over her shoulder as she's talking to it. So that's cool and fun and exciting, right? Now now that makes sense because yeah. I was like, what yep. the fuck is Jody? Yep, yep. So Jody was her imaginary friend that was like a fucking pig demon face, right? And this this thing, it wasn't just in her room. 
but it definitely it was around. Sometimes they would like look out the window in the middle of the night and see like these pinprick red eyes staring in at them. That's fun. That's cool. That's exciting. That's that, hip and new, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> hip and new. Pig demon. Big pig demons. Ooh. There was one particular instance where the parents heard voices coming from her room at night. Like she was talking to somebody and then they were like, okay, that's fucking weird. Like who's in her room? That doesn't sound like one of the boys. So they went and like looked into the room and there she had this little like white rocking chair in her room. I think they put that in the movie too. And it would just, it would be rocking by itself. Like while they heard, like they would hear the voices as they approached and they would look in and the fucking rocking chair was going. So that's cool. And she's like in bed with like the covers up around her and they didn't hear any rustling. So they knew it wasn't her. That's fun. Yay. I hate it so fucking much. You're welcome. So after the family moved out, because they only lasted that 20, that spiffy 28 days, right? But like, but like, what was the thing? It wasn't as dramatic in the, uh, like in real life as what it was in the book and the movie. Uh, That kind of expounded a little bit. We'll, We'll get into it. You'll find out. So the family moved out after 28 days, right? After they moved out, they signed a deal with a man named Jay Anson, who wrote a book called The Amityville Horror that came out in 1977, which served as the foundation for the 1979 movie. So everything in that movie is pretty much what's in the book. They had sent, the family had recorded, like, their experiences on, like, audio recording equipment and sent it to the guy that wrote the book, Anson. So he had like 45 hours of like their recorded information about what happened that he listened to and like put it all into a book and was like, here, this is what I'm going to do. And they were like, yeah, that's great. So that's cool. That's That's 45 hours of experiences Mm -hmm. is too many fucking hours. Too many experiences. So that's cool. Right. That's fun and exciting. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit. So we talked about the Lutz family, about the stuff that happened in the house, about the, the history of the house. Then we talked about their experiences. Now we're going to talk about the Warren family, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who mm-hmm. went to the Amityville house after it was vacated in what like some people call it like the night of seances or whatever, for some dumb reason. So they had a couple of news reporters, they had a camera crew, and then both of the Warrens there. So the Warrens go into the home with their camera crew to see if they could like address the validity of the hauntings. Because immediately after the family moved out, people were like, ah, it's fucking fake. You're just, you're just looking for money, right? Which we'll discuss that in a minute. So as the family get, or the, the Warrens get there, they go to meet George Lutz to get the keys. So they go to show up to the house looking for George. He's not there. So they make a phone call. They're like, hey, man, where you at? Like, what's going on? And George says, I refuse to go anywhere near that house. I will meet you. The closest I'll go is four blocks away. You can meet me at this little pizza place. We'll have lunch. I'll talk to you a little bit and then I'll give you the keys. They were like, okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll just change our plans. No big deal. So they go to meet him and they get there. And as they're like sitting down and talking, Ed's like, okay, hey, so I know literally nothing about this house. I just heard that it's really haunted and that you and your family freaked out and moved out after 28 days. Why? What happened to you in this house? George, all he would say was, you know, you know what happened in the house. That's all he would say. He refused to say anything else. Whoa. Yeah. So upon entering the house, uh, Ed recalls that the whole place stank of death. And he- The fuck? Yeah. He literally, he was like, I am not a medium. I am not a sensitive. I'm not clairvoyant in any way. But I walked into that house and the whole thing smelled like death. So that's cool. Whoa. That's good. Whoa. Yeah, that's cool. Right? Good. It's exciting. So Ed starts 
alone in the basement, as is his custom. He likes to go to the lowest point in the house because that it's it's where it's dark, right? It's dark and spooky, and that's where like dark shit's gonna be. Is basically yeah, like his dark, like, reasoning. Dingy. Yeah, moist. Yeah. Yeah. Moist caverns is where demons like to hang out. It makes sense. Uh, oh, <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So he's down there. He pulls out his crucifix and he's like praying and commanding whatever is in the house that's dark and evil to reveal itself. And he said, I, I don't think I'll ever forget. Him. He like he like leans forward because I watched this in an interview, which I've linked in my notes. But he like leans forward and he goes, I will never... I have never had a quicker response in my entire career, which is gross and I don't like it. So he does that and he says he felt this intense pressure, like the pressure of a waterfall. Like if you're standing underneath a waterfall and you can feel like the weight pushing down on you from the, Mm -hmm. yeah, like how that goes. He said he felt that on his head and shoulders, right? Yeah, you good? The the weight of the water as it hits you as it's falling down. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I was trying to pull another word out to like go with it and it didn't happen it is what it is it's all right i, it's I all got fine. you yeah <laughs> so he felt that pressure on his head and his shoulders so it was forcing him to his knees and as oh he, yeah like fucking intense so like as he hits his knees on this floor he feels what he described as like pinpricks of electricity all across his body like everywhere all at once so it's very painful experience there's the pressure there's the pain And then he felt like what he described as a hot towel being placed over his mouth and nose so that he couldn't breathe. So all that's happening. As that's happening, Lorraine is on the first floor. She's walking around the home and she didn't look into any history of the house or anything that had happened before they went. So as she's walking around, she gets to the family room and she sees a line of six bodies and body bags on the floor, which she was like, oh, okay, like in retrospect... That's the family waiting to go, like the DeFeo family waiting to go to the morgue. Right. So she sees six bodies on the ground in body bags and she's like, okay, this is not a good place to be. So then she starts, like she finishes her circuit on the first floor. She goes up to the second floor. As she hits that second floor landing, she gets this overwhelming feeling of uh, like getting hit with a fire hose right straight to the chest. Like it's going to push her down the stairs. So intense pressure on her chest as everyone else gets up there. They've got two cameramen with them. Those cameramen both start having heart palpitations so intently that they drop to their knees. Whoa. So this is all happening as Ed is downstairs having his like freak out the demons being shitty, right? So both of them, like all of them, two different areas, same shit's happening. They finally are able to like fight it off, pray through it, do what they need to do. She stands up, she goes into, like, the rest of the house on the second level. She gets to the sewing room, that same room that the priest had the awful, like, get-out experience, right? She goes Mm -hmm. into the sewing room, and she looks at their main cameraman, and she says, I get chills. She says, I hope this is the closest to hell I ever come. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't understand. But she's like, something evil is in this room. Something bad is here. So that's cool. That's exciting. And that is as much of the uh, experience from them that I could find. And I'm a little mad about it, but that is the most that I could get. Because right now with all of those experiences being made into movies, they are very carefully guarding everything that the Warrens have ever written. So yep, yeah, that fucking sucks. But that's what I was able to find from their experience on Amityville. 
that's still really fucking good oh gross. my god <laughs> it's real gross and i linked the uh the youtube interview in or the interview with the people in my notes so those of you that have access to my notes and want to go see ed and lorraine give their experience please feel free they've got uh like a slideshow that they do that like shows the whole family and like their whole experience and everything too so that's pretty cool that's dope yes so this next section in my notes is titled lying lutz question mark <laughs> so here's where we're going to talk about people who doubt the story don't think it's true okay okay so george lutz maintains that this was a real story that really happened to him it's all true until he died in 2006 like his whole life the rest of his life was like yeah the shit's true so after telling their story both of the lutzes took a lie detector test about the event and passed i do have to say like that that's a thing uh, the family was at that point on hard financial times because they did pour everything they had into buying this house. If possibly they overreached a little bit with the house or if they had like seen the murders and want like the exorcist had just come out a few years prior. So everybody had this like paranormal entity, like scary bullshit going on. Right. So everybody knew that was a thing. It could very well be that he decided to move in with his family, live there for a little bit, make it a big story and then move out. That's possible. I don't know where you stand on the issue, but that's a thing. Could have happened. The Lutz's lawyer, former lawyer, William Weber, who weirdly enough was the defense attorney for uh, DeFeo after he killed his family. That's weird. That's really weird. So William Weber had a falling out with the family over money and came out that he and the Lutz's had drank a lot of wine, got really drunk, and came up with the idea for them to buy the house, to move in, make up the whole story, and make a lot of money about it. He did say that on national television in 1979. So, or excuse me, uh, 1988. uh, The TV show called A Current Affair. So he did say that on on television, that it was all a hoax. So that's a little spicy. (laughs) After the family moved out, the home went into foreclosure in 1977 that next year. The next owners were James and Barbara Crom... Mm, I should have fucking practiced their names. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Cromarty. Um, they- what a fuck... What? I okay. don't fucking know. It's a name. I don't know. They apparently were the owners of the Riverhead Raceway, whatever that is. Uh, probably a big important thing in Amityville. I don't know. They, when they purchased it, changed the address from... 112 Ocean Avenue to 108 Ocean Avenue, hoping that it would keep people away from the house um, and like deter them from coming to visit or like just gawking, whatever, because the murders and then the spooky Amityville horror bullshit. So to this day, it still remains 108 Ocean Avenue. After an uneventful 10 years living in the home, they had no hauntings, no scarings, no nothing terrifying to speak of. They sold the house to Peter and Jane O'Neill in 1987. The O'Neills lived there for 10 years and then sold it for $310,000 in 1997 to Brian Wilson. Not the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, a different Brian Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) That's important to know. Okay. The home was then sold in 2017 for $605,000. And none of the subsequent owners have ever mentioned anything paranormal happening in the home. Oof. Yep. Yep. Oof. Nothing. Now, as for the children involved in this story, because that's what I was curious about, because you can definitely have parents that are like, ah, we're going to make a buck. But what about their kids? Right. 
So Melissa, the youngest, who had the imaginary friend, refuses to even speak or acknowledge what happened. She's much happier completely staying away from it. Uh, nobody can find her even for an interview, and I hope that she remains anonymous if that's what she wants. Damn. Yep. So she doesn't doesn't even look at it, doesn't talk to anybody, nothing. Because the, the thing that I hate about this this whole story is that the kids, they use their real names in the movie. So every, oh. everybody in the world knows who these kids are. They know their story. Like, these kids were bullied and made fun of because it was, your mom's a fucking liar. Like, your parents are liars. What's wrong with you? Oh, are you scared of the monster in your closet? Like, their whole fucking life because they didn't use alternate names. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, and Letza's a very unique last yeah. name, too. It's so really fucked up. Also changed the last name. Seriously. It makes me very upset, but here we are. So Daniel Lutz, the oldest, who was nine years old at the time of living in the house, he actually appeared in a documentary that I was not able to find, but it, it like to get a hold of to watch. It is available right. on Amazon Prime, I think, or on Amazon for something. I don't know. It's called My Amityville Horror. And he remains adamant to this day that the hauntings happened, not to the degree in the movie or the book, but that they did happen, and that a vast majority of it was actually George Lutz's fault. So what? It, what? So what? Let's get into that. What does that mean? Yeah. Let's, what does that mean? Let's get into that. So uh, an, an M Night Shyamalan <laughs> twist. Tell me. Absolutely, that was better than an M Night Shyamalan twist. I don't know what you're talking about. So Christopher, um, the middle middle child. Um, I'm gonna attempt to pronounce his last name. Um, Coronado. I think. Good job. Thank Good you. Good job. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he changed his name from Lutz to his birth father's name because, of course, people followed him around and were like, you're one of those Lutz kids. <laughs> and were like, just super shitty to him. Like, he went into right. the military and people were in the military were fucking assholes to him, too. Like, anybody and everybody Damn. was a dickbag. So, good on Jeez. you for changing your name, man. I get it. So, he insists also that the hauntings were not a hoax. Um, he does say that his stepfather brought the troubles on the family. Just like his older brother Daniel does, because George dabbled in the occult, and anything that had was going to happen there, he amplified it. So that's cool. Uh, he, Are you he, fucking kidding me? Uh huh. Yeah. Any real paranormal stuff that happened, he amplified it for profit. <gasps> uh huh. Yep. Yep. He. They literally did that to themselves for money. Yeah. Yep, and that, that is what Chris is so pissed about. Christopher, excuse me. Uh, what he's so mad about. So, huh. so, so let's, let's, get into, let's get into what happened. So, uh, in fact, the family's experience has generated about a half a billion dollars in the past 25 years. Unfortunately, the family, uh, George and Kathy Lutz, only ever saw about three dollars to $450,000 of that money. The rest of that went to MGM Studios because they're the ones that have the rights to the story which is kind of fucked up when it's literally your life and a and a studio owns the rights to the story of your life. Like how fucked up is that, man? Like why did you ooh. not why did you not say a percentage of Absolutely. like anything that's ever made? Right. Hello. Right. So here's where I think personally that George Lutz <coughs> is probably a piece of trash. Right. And, like just he didn't think ahead to okay, I want to give my family the rights to this story not just like sell it for four 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 hundred thousand dollars like that's all he was thinking about was himself and money he wasn't even like long-term thinking smartly about money 
or the story. He was just, okay, I can make a quick buck right now, is how it feels to me. But idiot. Yeah, absolutely. Idiot. Okay. He actually tried to sue Chris at one point because Christopher was like, hey, no, like, this is our story. That's not fair. I don't like that. And his stepdad had written another contract with MGM about something. And he was like, no, 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 motherfucker. Absolutely not. That is not okay. So they went into a legal battle. And luckily, Christopher won. But that's ridiculous to me. Like, over money. Like, what? what is wrong with you? What a, what a piece of shit. Absolutely. Like, it's fucked up. It does make me happy. So Christopher's mom, Kathy, encouraged him not to read the book or watch the movie in the, that came out in the late 70s, right? Because she wanted him to grow up as normally as possible. So they knew what their experiences were. Don't worry about the media stuff. Just wor- like focus on being a kid. Because as soon as they left that home, they moved to California and then from California to Arizona. So they're growing up in Arizona now. Chris recalls he and his brother Daniel, like here's some of their experiences that I don't think they completely put in the movie, but I think were like good experience well, not like good experiences but like shit that actually happened to them because both of the brothers right. are like yeah that's real so christopher and his brother noticed one of the like quarter circle windows on the second floor they're they're like very iconic to this home and make it look like it has eyes right yes so yes those, those spooky like eye windows one of them kept opening even after they would latch it multiple times. So there were, in fact, things that would, like, open and close, like windows that would open in the house just by themselves. That did occur. There was an event where the dog, their family dog, tried to jump over a fence while he was still wearing his leash and almost hung himself. Uh, Thankfully, George, like, ran to the rescue of the dog before it choked itself. That did happen. That, I don't think, was in the 79 version of the movie, but in one of the later versions of the movie, it was. So that did actually happen. Christopher remembers, when he was young, this humanoid figure appearing in his bedroom doorway. He remembers seeing the outline of, like, a head and a body, but it had no feet, which freaked him out. And he remembers, quote, I remember being so scared I wanted to cry out, Mommy, but I knew Mommy was too far away to get me before it did. Oh, Oh, I just got cold chills. What the fuck? Okay. So at that point, he has that thought and this shape starts advancing toward him on the bed. And then it gets like halfway there before it just dissolves into a rotting smell. So that's disgusting. That's cool. That's 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 fucking nasty. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so great. So he he for the longest time could not understand why the media and the general public looked down on him and his family and like didn't believe them for what happened because he'd never read the book or the movie or like seen the movie right so in 1999 he decides oh fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna read this book i'm gonna see what happens he read the book and then he said quote now i'm seeing why the public perceives this as a hoax what i'm reading to me is bullshit so that's cool right oof yeah Yeah, that's exciting from somebody who actually lived through it he's like now that's fucking fake what is this so he went public in the year 2000 about his beliefs uh, that his stepfather had created most of the entire situation and that that is actually why the house itself had no further problems and why the family actually experienced trouble in their new home as well. So after they moved, they still had levitating and green slime. So that's cool. Bruh. Yeah. Yep. I would agree with him. Bruh. That was all his fucking dad. Absolutely. Yep. Woo. What a piece of shit. Yep. Like, if you're going to dabble with the occult, 
Do that on your own fucking time. Absolutely. Away from other people. Absolutely. Consent <sighs> is still key. Yeah, it's ah! fucking, it's stupid. So Christopher actually said about his stepfather that he's a professional showman and that he and the entire family were just being exploited by George. So that's kind of fucked up and really sad. And I do also want to note that none of the children seem to trust each other. Every like like Christopher and Daniel had the opportunity to work together on a on a project like the the My Amityville Horror thing. Like Christopher was invited to come and work on that. He refused because he didn't want anybody else to have the the ability to change the story or like put it in a different light. He wanted to be in charge of all of it so that the real story got out, which I get. But he refused to work with his sibling on it. So, like, the fact that none of them want to work on anything together kind of kind is really sad. It's really sad. That's sad. Like, it fucking There's, sucks. Yeah, that, that stepdad tore that, those absolutely. relationships apart, and that's really shitty. Yeah, absolutely, which is fucking terrible. And, like, the uh-huh. the the mom and stepdad actually got divorced, um, like, less than 10 years later after they got married. Like, it Oof. did not work out. Um and I've I'd, I haven't seen the documentary, like the Miamiville horror documentary, but I've heard mm-hmm. that a lot of it just shows how abusive George actually was. Um, so it it it's not not a great situation for anybody. Damn. So, yeah, this is this is kind of a rough uh, a rough reality for these people. Um, so I kind of I'm happy that we got to do this because we got to talk about the reality versus the the movie. So uh, if for those of you who have seen the movie, I have a couple of fun facts here. So did the priest actually come to bless the house? Yes, he did. Um, were flies all over the priest in the sewing room like they were in the movie? No, that didn't actually happen. Um, he just went in, blessed the place, had the the spooky um, get out experience, and then got the fuck out. Was uh, Kathy's aunt a nun like she was in the movie? No, she was not. I do think that that's a pretty, pretty fun television drama. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic. Uh, were there cold spots in the house? Yes, there absolutely were. Uh, were there overflowing toilets with black goop? No, that never happened. I uh, forgot about that. Was, that. Yeah, that was yeah. made up. That didn't happen. Uh, was Jody an imaginary friend? Yes. Jody was actually an imaginary friend. Now, was Jody a demonic pig? I don't know. Um, I've heard that that is or is not. I'm not really sure. I think it's uh, really, really scary. Either way, it's pretty fucking spooky. But wait, I thought you said Jody was a demonic pig. Yeah, that's. I, I've heard it both ways. It, D- Jody was just a de- just some sort of a demon masquerading as a kid's best friend, or it was actually a demonic pig. I'm not really sure. That's why I put okay, it in okay. the way I did because I don't know. Okay. Now, was the front door ripped off, like, at the end of the movie, where it got all dramatic? No. Where it, where it sounded like thunder. Yep. No. That never happened. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that didn't happen. Now, did Daniel get his hand smashed in the window? Yes. Yes, he did. <gasps> uh, he actually said in my Amityville Horror, skin to skin smashed. So, like, they didn't go to the hospital. Because a few moments after it happened, like, the, the fucking window slams down. He can't get his hand out. Then they're finally be able to, like, push the fucking window up. He pulls his hand back. He's crying. They look like there's blood everywhere. And they're like, what the fuck? And they look down and his hand is fine. That's why they kept saying in the movie, mm-hmm. I can't believe he didn't have any broken bones. Correct. Yeah. Because, like, in the movie, they do go to the hospital and no bones are broken. But in reality, like, he, he was fine. Like, every, it was bloody and fucked up, and then everything was okay, just real fast. So that's kind of weird. 
That's disgusting. Yeah, that was a little gross. Now, did uh, did George fall into a pit of black goo when he went back for the dog, like in the movie? No, that didn't happen. There was no pit oh, of black the, goo. There, there was no gateway to hell no, in the basement? No, absolutely not. Uh, there was a red room. Uh, or was there a red room like there was in the movie? Kinda, yes. So it was actually a, a little room underneath the stairs, like a little storage area. That's what they called the red room. Oh, okay. So, and there you have it. That is the Amneville Horror. Well, the real hero of the story is the dog. Absolutely. the dog pulled George out of the goo. Absolutely. Sweet dog boy. Good times. It was really good, but the scene where, like, they're looking into the red room underneath mm-hmm. the base, like, underneath the staircase, yeah. and, like, they both have the, like, ho- attempted horrified look on their face is- was just comical. Oh, it was just, like, I was laughing. I was absolutely. like, well, I'm uncomfortable. This is weird. Yeah, so, actually, both of those actors, like, uh, some people asked them, they were like, hey, did anything, like, scary happen on the set? And they were like, no, this whole thing's fucking fake. What do you mean? So, the even the actors were like, no, this whole story's bullshit. So it's really, Whoa. it's really hit or miss. I think honestly, if the Warrens hadn't supported it the way that they did, I think that everyone would have said, "Oh no, it's fucking bullshit. It's all fake." Right? Because I got the good old man. I don't know. I'm even leaning that it might be. I I don't know though. Because I I really think until until the Warrens went and looked at it, I was like a hundred percent. This was just an abusive dad that like some fucked up shit happened. Um, but like I don't know about it. I don't know. Man, I don't know. I don't know if the Warrens would have risked their credibility like that, See, to be honest. that's another thing, because they, they really were fighting super hard for credibility. And this was only, like, their third or fourth case, I think. And there's no right. reason to, like, risk the success of your career over something that's fake. So, I don't know. Right. If there was something there, they definitely, bou- like, jumped on it yeah. and definitely glorified it. But absolutely. I don't... Well, I mean, that was yeah, the Warrens, I think, but... Right, That's neither here nor there. So. Um, what about... Remember in the movie where she gets the phone call and there's no one on the line, but there was the drunk dude at the door? Yeah, I don't think that actually happened. What the fuck was that? I don't know. That was that was a spooky, was the- dramatic, weird thing. Okay. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, there there's a lot of weird. Yeah. They 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 stayed kind of true, like kind of. Yeah, kind of sort of. I mean, they did they did some stuff that was just oh, you know, like this is a big big whatever mess, but some things they definitely stayed true to. So. I don't know. I think it was, it was pretty good. Pretty good movie, I guess. Pretty good. I liked it. I hey. think it was spooky. Yeah. Hey, what you got there? Cheese sticks. <laughs> uh. Gary brought me pizza like halfway through my story. So I have pizza oh, yeah? and cheese sticks. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Hey, thank you for listening. All right. So we're at mid-roll. Yeah, we are. This is the part of the podcast where we give shout out to our news Patreon members. However, we do not have any news Patreon members, and that is quite okay. So if you would like to support us in any other manner, please be sure to stop by iTunes and drop a rate review. Not iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Or iTunes. Why? Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) You're right. Not iTunes. Wow. Okay, proceed. Right. Why did they go from iTunes back to Apple? Like, That's a great question. pick, Pick a branding. Pick yeah. a branding, Apple. <laughs> is it Apple or is it iTunes? I don't Get know. the fuck over yourself. I think Steve Jobs died, and that's why they changed it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. That's just me pulling shit out of my brain. Steve Jobs did not die for this. Anyways, <laughs> um, bang bong. Or if you're on Spotify, you can also drop a rate review there. And anywhere else you're listening to us, please be sure to do the thing. Because if you like what we do, rate and review. Thank Thanks. you so so much. You're okay. Welcome. Thank you. So for my story. Yeah, tell me. I... 
I, Katie Groves, will be covering A Haunting in Connecticut. This is literally my favorite story. This is the thing that got me into paranormal shit. Really? Hell yeah. Like samesies, though? Yes. Oh, yes. I just, I want to give you a heads up, though. Yeah. This isn't as fun as Amityville and is kind of shittier Uh, than Amityville. Yeah. It has like a kind of a lame ending. I'm sure. So, like, the very first time I heard about this, it was on this, like, fucking spooky TV show on, like, Discovery Channel back when I was very little, way too young to be watching shit about this, and they would dramatize the, like, scary parts. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, man. I can't, I can't for the life of me remember the name, but that's okay. I'm excited. Let's go. Okay. All right, cool. I'm glad you're excited. Because I'm excited. And it makes me feel better that you're excited because I was like, this is kind of poopy. This but- is my favorite. Tell me all about oh. it. Okay. So A Haunting in Connecticut is actually based on the shit. I should have practiced, practiced this as well. The Sneedaker family. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Sneedaker. That sounds Snedeker. correct. Sneedaker. I like Sneedaker. The Sneedaker family that claimed to have some horrific things happen to them in the house. Uh, I... I did mine a little like like in order differently than you did, so I'm gonna That's start fine. with like yeah. Okay, cool. All right, cool. So the movie is actually based on a book called "In a Dark Place: The Story of a True Haunting." So it was not originally called "A Haunting in Connecticut." Okay, that's fair. Okay, so a, a, "In a Dark Place: The Story of a True Haunting," written in 1992 <gasps> by a one. That was when you were born. It yes, is. you're correct. Yes. Um, Ray Garten. Okay. Now, Zoe, tell without looking at my notes. Okay, don't look at my notes. Who hired the author the to write Sneedaker the family? Nope. MGM Studios. No, um, you're on the right track. The Warrens. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oh. This is this is a Ed and Lorraine Warren story. Oh. How do we do that? I don't know. It's. I thought that was really funny because I had no idea this was an Lorraine story. <laughs> Me either. Okay. All right. That's. Huh. All right. Yep. So uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren swooped in and they hired this author and they said, "We got ourselves another one, boys. Write a book." Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of controversy surrounding all of this, like even worse than the Amityville horror. Nice. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you all that at the end. Absolutely. We're gonna do spooky bits. Yeah. Tell me all yeah, the spooky we're gonna do bits. Sp- okay. So actually, I'm going to give you like a cliff notes of the movie, kind of, um, or, or kind of like the differences, cliff notes. So the, movies, the movie has the same premise as the actual events in the house, kind of. So um, plot's kind of the same. Okay. But, but in the movie, they portrayed the husband as a recovering alcoholic. The real dad was not. They somehow... Like played it in there, like the dad was a like an abusive alcoholic, and da da da. da. I don't know. Okay. Um. Ugh. There's a son with cancer. We'll get to that explanation in just a second. Okay. The they in the in the movie the son is having visions of corpses with symbols carved into their skin. We're going zero to a hundred. Oh shit, Jesus. <laughs> okay. You're. I know you're eating, but like, oh, too bad, fine. so sad. No, it's fine. My mom's okay. here. She can talk about anything. It's cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, so corpses with symbols carved into their skin, uh, 
the the son also like has visions of like seances that would happen in the home which actually fun fact did not happen within the home um they learned through the vision the the son with the cancer learned that the owner of the house was trying to bind souls of the dead to the house using these carvings on the body why though necromancy why bro like what Why did why did what's his butts do occult shit in the house? Who the just be an asshole? Why would you like bind souls to a house though? Like to be an asshole? Power? I don't know why necromancies do what they do. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you need to have like a reason to be a necromancer though, instead of just like oh it's fun. Ego trip? Maybe. But why the house though? Like why would you want to live somewhere that there's all these souls that you have trapped? Like that's gonna be literal hell on earth. Like, why would you do that? In the Stupid. movie, they act the the dude actually put bodies in the wall. I mean, that's a good way to like trap things, I guess. If you believe that your soul stays where your body is, which fucking nobody does, I don't understand. But that's I fine. also don't feel like that's even closely remotely possible. That shit would reek. Absolutely, be rank. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. So the son finds these bodies in the wall. Ew. After he makes some dramatic escape from the hospital, right? Whoa. He lights the house on fire. Whoa, buddy. <laughs> Whoa. And then and then he's and then he's saved from the fire. Cancer disappears. House is rebuilt. Everyone lives happily ever after. Okay, 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 okay. Wait. Wait. <gasps> Wait. He had cancer before he moved to the house, right? Correct. How the fuck would it magically disappear? The setting the spirits free cured him of his cancer. <laughs> no. This is the least Ed Lorraine story I've ever heard in my life. Because theirs is always like, no, through through the power of the Holy Lord Jesus Christ, we were able to do X, Y, and Z. This is there not. Was, I think I think there was a priest there. Oh, 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 oh. Speaking of which. Backing up for yeah. a second, okay. we did we did not cover in Amityville Horror right. the priest going blind. Yeah, that didn't happen. Okay, cool. Yeah, like all of and the the priesty stuff. Yeah, none of the bad things happened to the priest. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So fast forward. I think there was like a priest person in. Um, I can't. I was supposed to watch this before we started, but I didn't. It's fine because I watched. I watched Amityville Horror and I had other shit I had to do. That's fair. Me too. Like it's fine. Like like go to work. Um, so I think there was a priest somewhere in there, if I remember correctly. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, so this is, it's, it's, in it's a, it's not an Ed Lorraine Warren movie, but it's like, like origin story of Ed and Lorraine, like not origin story, but like it originates from Ed and Lorraine Warren. Like that makes sense. Cause like, so they made it, it. I don't think, no, like, you know how like Annabelle is like Ed and Lorraine, like that's their story. Yeah. Like, like Ed and Lorraine dabbled in this story. Does that make sense? I th- yeah, I think so. I think you just have to explain how they're connected, and then it'll make sense. Because like at this point, it doesn't sound like they're connected. Um, like they like they are, but they aren't. I don't. I I think because there was too much controversy around this one, they they just kind of like lightly dipped their toe in this one. Oh. Okay, that's possible. I don't know. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Proceed. Because, like, as I proceed to, like, explain the story and, like, it, like what happened, all this crazy shit, and, like, how far they went with the story, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Okay. So, let me let me just... All right. Let me hold just, my horses. Hold your horses. Okay. So, that was a little bit about the movie. So, like, let's let's um, do a little bit more accuracy. 
Okay, so as I said, one of the sons did have cancer. Yes. Um, he ended up having like lymphatic cancer, so like just like yeah. cancer up in his like like apparently just like a bulge in his neck or some shit, and they're like, yeah. "Ha ha, that's not supposed to be there." Yeah, lymph node so, cancer is bad. Yeah, that's real bad. So they were driving from New York to Connecticut for his cancer treatments. Jesus, that's far. Yeah, yeah, it was like a hundred and six mile round Ugh. trip. So Jeez. it was. Obviously wearing out the family and wearing out the poor kid who's having to go through cancer treatments to get this done. Jesus. So they ended up, whenever they were in Connecticut for the treatments, like the kid would be in the hospital and the mom would be running around looking for a place to rent. And they found this house that was cheap. Okay. No question as to why it's cheap, obviously. Uh, it comes to light later, but it depends on who you ask when it comes to light. But it does come to light that the house is a more mortuary did i say that right oh yeah you did okay okay funeral home I mean, that's funeral not bad. parlor that's not bad yeah and and maybe some necromancy went on in the house but we already we already covered that right so the possible necromancy the movie um, necromancy right but like both 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 in real life both in the movie both okay okay Ugh. okay the the theme of there might have been necromancy happening in the house it is true that the house was once a funeral parlor and that, that the family though. but the family <laughs> i don't think that's a bad thing i had a friend living in a freaking mortuary when i grew up it's fine i i thought you were saying necromancy wasn't that no, bad i was like no those are not the same no no i was like sorry what the fuck <laughs> no necromancy is bad mortuary is not is so there, bad is there pineapple on that fucking pizza Goddamn right there's pineapple on this fucking pizza it's pineapple and bacon it's really good I've converted Justin. I'll convert you one day. You fucking never will. I, mm, That's mm. disgusting. It's delicious. I don't know what's wrong with you. Ugh. It's anyways. Fine. So in real life, the, the house was supposed to have some like deep, natural, haunted, evil demon shit going on because of the necromancy horse shit. I mean, that's fair. So so, so some supernatural stuff went on in the house. And that that's... A, and <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and that's about as far as the equivalency goes between the actual events in the movies. Oh. Like, like all the dramatic scenes that happen around the cancer, setting the house on fire, none of that happened. Oh. A little much. The bodies of the wall didn't happen. None of that happened. Oh, so, no. So so let's, let's get into the real life story, which there's not a whole lot out there. I had to really, really fucking scrape for it. I think they tried to actually reel in some facts that did happen to like make you watch the movie and make you read the book right okay, that's fair yeah okay so the sneed sne- what did i say the sneedaker sneedaker yeah yeah sneedaker family uh so mother and father by the name of carmen and alan move into this connecticut home at 208 meriden avenue southington connecticut with their three sons one daughter and i kept getting one niece and then some places were like there was two nieces, but I think there was only one niece. Okay. So in the movie, it depicts two sons. I think it was two sons and a niece, but there was like way more kids in the house than that. Yeah, because they needed, I remember they needed a house that was big enough for their family. Correct. Which like the mortuary and, like, made sense because it had the basement for like two of the sons and then like rooms for other kids. Yeah, I think. I think. May, so maybe that was right. So maybe that was right. Maybe they did have three sons and then a niece, sure. something like that. So I think they left like an extra daughter out. I have no idea. I can't remember. I didn't go back and watch the movie like a loser. So 
kids. Kids are there. Um, it was Carmen had kids, and then Alan had kids, and then they got married, and then they had more. Like then they had all their kids together. So like that's how that. That happened. sounds right. So Carmen snags the sweet deal on the home and already starts to move in <laughs> to sweet. that lovely house. Yeah. So like she like sees it and was like super persistent of like. Give me this house, and the owner's like, "It's not ready yet." And she's like, "I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I want give it." Me. In the book, she kind of it was supposed to. In the boy, the book portrays it, but I, I take the book with a massive grain of salt. Um, it portrays that she found the house, and they're like, "Oh, we're only renting per floor. Like, you don't get the whole house." But then when she cried that her son was like dying of cancer, and like da da da, the guy was like, "Okay, take the whole house." Jesus Christ, lady. I mean, so fair. yeah, so. Whatever. So they get the whole house. That's cool. So when Carmen and Al actually start walking through the house, because they apparently just didn't at the time, they were just like, gimme. That's when they start to notice all of the tools, toe and head tags, photos of dead people, and personal belongings of people who have passed away in the basement. Oh, that's cool. When they confronted the landlord, uh, he the landlord said, don't remove any of that stuff. Keep it there. Um. Do don't get rid of it. Oh yeah, because like, that was in that like spooky side exam room that people that they actually like did the autopsy or the fucking embalming bullshit in, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because they had like the little doors that covered it. I forgot about that. Gross. It was gross. Yeah. See that that part's a little icky. And then me. like some kids slept in the basement Ugh. with that shit. I feel like that'd be bad for you if you have cancer and you're around that much like excess formaldehyde. I feel like that's a bad idea. I don't think there's just excess formaldehyde hanging out down there. Was there there a drain in the floor? Because I bet that shit hadn't been cleaned. Ooh, actually, you know what? You're right. Yeah. forgot about Mm -hmm. that. Gross. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So um, with knowing that, they still chose to stay because of like the racking medical bills of cancer treatment. That's fair. That Um, shit. It's expensive to get cancer, which is stupid. Which is fucking ridiculous. Uh, The the wear and tear of the sun, of of the trip that they're having to make for the sun- and uh, how cheap the house was. They were just like, you know what? It's a win-win-win and one-lose. Here we go. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I get it. So, as I said, depending on who you ask, mm-hmm. uh, this... This good... This... Sneedicker. <laughs> the Sneedicker. I wrote it wrong that time. <laughs> there's, an N, there's an N in there, not a K. Sneedicker. Sneed. Sneedicker family said that they were not informed the place was a funeral home when they, you know, did the transaction for it. And then... The owner said that they were f- made fully aware that it was a funeral home when they moved in. Yeah, but I mean, if you're walking around and you're like, oh, well, hey, you see all the like when dead they, people stuff. That only happened after they moved in, like agreed to it and moved in. They didn't look at it first? No. Like Ooh, she showed up, saw it, and you. just was like, how much? I think got she only you. saw like maybe the top floor, maybe the top floor or like the main ground floor. And that was it. She never went into the basement. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So, like, for the first little bit, the husband wasn't there um, because his, like, approval to, like, transfer to his, like, a, a, another work location in Connecticut. So, he was, like, gone for the first little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. Carmen started to notice some stuff that was disappearing around the house. So, we're going to get right into all the shit that was going on in the house. You ready? Um, there was a scene in the movie where she set the dinner table, walked away, and came back and all the dishes were gone. That happened. That she said that that one hundred terrifying. Yeah, she said that one hundred percent happened. All of her dishes were like put the fuck back, and she was like, "I didn't do that." 
children started to see strange people in the house. Not so much of the mo- the mummies that were depicted in the movie. Yeah. Um, there's two people that they saw. Okay. A man with long black hair and high cheekbones. Ew. And then another man with white hair wearing a pinstripe tuxedo. I hate that they're so specific. Like, the fact that the guy's face was clear enough for you to see he had really high cheekbones is really gross. And, like, yeah. that pinstripe suits are very, like, it's hard to tell when something's pinstriped unless you're really close. And also, it has to be pretty detailed yeah. for that to be there for you to see. Yeah, that's gross. I don't like that. That's pretty gross. Yeah. So, uh, also, according to the book, uh, the son with the cancer, he said he would hear his name get called from, like, the basement. Like, he would just hear his name getting called. Ew. Yeah. So hearing voices was just a common occurrence for the whole family, just hearing shit in the house constantly. There was also one instance of, they said that it sounded like a hundred birds taking off all at once. That gave me the spooky chills. Super fucking specific, though. Like. Why? I don't know. Ew. Don't look at me. (laughs) Yeah, it's gross. (gasps) One specific incident that Carmen swears by, like, 100% happened. She said she was mopping the floor, right? So, obviously, oh, had a bucket of water, uh. like, like you do when you're, when you're mopping. Mm-hmm. She said that the whole bucket of water turned into a deep red, almost like blood. That is the thing that I remember so vividly from that fucking dramatized TV show. Because she was mopping mm-hmm. and everything was cool. And then suddenly, it literally, like... The consistency of soapy water looks like bubbly blood. And that's yep. fucking gross. Ugh, I will never forget swears that. Swears that happened. Hmm. Swears that happened. Ah. Disgusting. Lights in the house would flicker even when there were no bulbs in the socket. That place is not just haunted. That place is like infested. You need to <laughs> So... The father did remove all the light bulbs because it's like, why the fuck were there like no wow, light my bulbs? My utility bill so high. That's war- literally what it was. The kids were sleeping with the lights on because they were terrified, and he was the dad was just getting pissed, so he just removed all the light bulbs so they couldn't do that. That is the most dad thing I've ever heard. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, it's like it's like that's something my dad would do. Um, there's a shower scene in the movie. Where, like, the curtain almost suffocated the niece. Yeah. That happened, but to the mother. No. <laughs> nope. Your Time hand gestures are... <laughs> Time to leave. Your Sorry. hand gestures are doing it for me. So, it, ha- it happened to the mother, and she said it wrapped around her face, Ooh. and she could not breathe. Ooh. 100%. And it was the niece that had to, like, run in and save her from, like, nope. getting suffocated. No, thank you. So this is this is kind of where um this is where shit kind of starts to like tank of like this is like okay this is not happening. Okay, uh, it's not haunted. Y'all are just fucking crazy and making this shit up. Oh no. Uh, the Ella son who was going through the radiation treatment right suffered apparently the worst of it and he became super moody and angry. He started poetry about necrophilia. Which was really concerning and weird. Where did he sleep? In the basement. He's the one that slept in the basement? The, I'm pretty sure the cancer kid was in the basement. Okay, so that concerns me a little bit, like, if it is a haunting, um, because he's near 
the like spooky place where if there was any necrophilia, that's where it would have happened. Um, so that's a little scary because that could be a, some sort of an influencing thing. And also it's going to pick on him because he is physically the weakest. Yeah. And he is the one closest to death. And if you're a demon, what do you want to happen? The one that is closest to death to not go to heaven. That's what you want. So of course it's going to pick on him. Hmm. I don't like it. Okay, proceed. It, get, it gets. It gets worse. I don't like when you so say that. he has a like a whole personality change, like completely flips, and he starts having um random raging outbursts towards his family members. Right. Okay. I have to give a trigger. I have to give a trigger warning because this was fucked up. It's a a, a sexual a essay, sexual assault trigger warning. Okay. The son was having an episode uh-huh. so bad, he attacked his cousin, okay. the chick, yeah. with the intent to rape her. Okay. That's not great. So he was, yeah, he was hauled the fuck off. Yeah. Like, they were just like, nah, la, 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 la. Yeah. He, he got taken off. Um, He was, I think it was either 20 days, about 20 days or about 40 days. I think it was 40 days. He had to be, like, held mm-hmm. until he was doing better. Um, The doctor diagnosed him with schizophrenia holy shit yeah but the family did not like believe that that's what his diagnosis once diagnosis was because they're like no the house is haunted he's just possessed like okay, okay. okay. so like like it's just I get that. that i get that right but but uh if you think it's that bad and your kid has had a fucking personality change and now he's being diagnosed with things like schizophrenia and you think it's the house get him the fuck out of that house that is your only option we get Sorry. one step worse. We get one step worse. Okay. And this is another trigger warning. Okay. This is another another trigger warning. Um, the this and again, this is part of the whole. This is why they're losing their credibility. Yep. Um, the parents went so far to say that they were the parents, both of them. Okay. Were both raped and sodomized by an unknown force in the house, and there were also some some reports. Some other things that I read that also the niece was subjected to it. But they stayed in the house for two years. Could they not financially leave? That's the argument of why they stayed for two years. But then there's also the counter argument of if it was that bad, you can find a way out. Absolutely. Like there, I don't understand that. Um, Like getting, getting hit, like physically assaulted in some way you'd leave right because that's like there's a physical force something actually touched me if you get assaulted in a sexual way you're gonna leave you're not gonna stay like if you think that something is hurting you and then forced your child to try and hurt another child you're gonna leave you would think you would think i mean that's rational either that or you literally are the worst human beings alive. Like, they're... I don't... I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, no, I don't either. I'm a little upset. So, two years. Yep. Two years. Rather than leaving, they contact the Warrens. Okay. What are they gonna do? So, the Warrens, they they roll up, and they stay in the house for two weeks. Because their goal was to get the full experience that the family had while they were living there. Okay. Two weeks is not going to do that much, bud. Uh, they, they, after that time, they came forward and they said that the house was very evil and that the the house did, in fact, have necromancy 
performed in the house during the funeral parlor days. I mean, that would make sense with the sexual assault and the necrophilia. Right. I get it, but like, I don't like it. I don't like it either. So the the Warrens did do an exorcism on the home. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was that. They just did like a really long exorcism on the house. Um, and I could I probably could have pulled more detail from the book, but I'll I'll explain here in a minute why I didn't do that. Okay. Um. So Warrens did exorcism in the house. The movie depicted that the house was burned to the ground. Never happened. The whole the, the, apparently the souls were released okay. by exorcism. Don't. What? Don't meow at me. My cat and I are just engaged in like a staring contest. He wants forehead kisses and affection. But don't we don't all? Look at me. You don't, you don't we all want forehead kisses? Anyways. And affection. Absolutely. So here's the tea. Here's the controversy. Here's 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 the whole kit and caboodle of, of uh, what the fuck going on with this story. Jimmy. Ed and Lorraine Warren were brought in by the, the by the people, right, to do yeah, this. Absolutely. And they were they were they they said that they felt that the demonic shit was that my cat just took a swipe at me. What a ah, rude ass. He wants they, affection. They, they came. <clears throat> he'll get it in a second. So they came in for the demonic bullshit themselves. But as we'll do an episode on later, uh, Ed was more interested in money. Oh, right? no. So uh, he saw this was like, ah, let's get a book deal. Let's get a movie deal. Let's, you know, let's do all that. Right. So they hired an author, as previously mentioned, to work with the family to write a book about the place. So okay. the author sits down with the family and he starts to notice holes in their stories. Oh, no. Um, he said that the family's stories are not matching, and they aren't recalling their stories correctly. Oh, no. So when the author, Ray, tells Ed about this, Ed says, Oh, they're crazy. You've got some of the story. Just use what works and make up the rest. Just make it up and make it scary. Yeah, that sounds like uh, pretty consistent with what my expectations from the Warrens are at this point. So uh, later, after this is all written, said and done, the author comes forward and like I think it was um, in a post, so like a magazine or like something. 1999, he comes forward and, and he quotes um, Ed. He's, he's talking about a conversation he had with Ed. So the author is saying, he told me not to worry that the family was crazy. I was shocked. He said, when he, he, he is Ed, so he right. said, all the people who come to us are crazy. You think sane people would come to us? He knew I'd written a lot of horror novels prior to that, so he just told me to make the story up using whatever details I could incorporate into the book and make it scary. I used what I could, made up the rest, and tried to make it as scary as I could. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. So that's... That is that. So how how is everyone doing today? How's the house doing? How's the fam doing? How's all that doing? Uh, the house is not haunted. The owners say that everything that happened in the, in, to the family did not happen before or to anyone else living in the house. Uh, the owners of the house lived there for 10 years and nothing ever happened to them. And they think that the movie is stupid. Yeah, that's that seems to be pretty yeah. consistent with anybody who lives in a quote unquote haunted house, except for like the conjuring house. Yep. Um the house is still there to this day. You can drive by and see it. Okay. Yep. Um the son with the cancer did not survive Ooh. the cancer. Uh it did go into remission, but it did come back later in life and took his life in two thousand twelve. Okay. Do we know if he and um, kept the or if they, they put him on medication for schizophrenia or 
I couldn't really no find every time I try to Google anything, it was like, this is all hoax. Oh. This is all hoax. This oh. is all hoax. And I'm like, that was Amityville too. Yeah. Yep. So every the whole like search searching for stuff got flooded with yeah. controversy. This is a hoax. And it's Weird. Like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. So that was all the information that I could find. Hmm. I don't think the parents are alive anymore. I think they're just survived by the three uh, three sons. sons, one daughter, and the niece. Yeah. Well, so there you have it. That's kind of rough. Are you googling it? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, like the. The cancer guy, he went on to, like, have, a, I think, like, a wife and four kids. Meh. So, like, he went to, I guess, live on a seemingly normal life. I mean, that's good, at least. Um, I think, honestly, at this point, everything is just, um, like, the the Warrens and their cases are coming under such scrutiny. Scrutiny. That anybody, like, even, even if they had interacted with a story that was potentially true, uh, nobody's going to believe it the more that they learn about the Warrens. So it's like, it's not, it's not great. It's not great. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. But everyone loves a good movie, so. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're going to make movies until the end of time. Hmm. Yay. Did you find anything yet? Uh, Just that the Snedekers told their story to anybody and everybody that they could. So. Yeah. It Also, the Amityville Horror mm-hmm. came out, like, a little bit before this whole incident, nope. which I don't I didn't get the year. I didn't get the year when this happened. Uh, late eighties. Okay, like 80, that's what I figured. Eighty-eight. Yeah, so late eighties. Um, so it would have been after the Amity- Amityville Horror. Probably like a few other horror movies came out after that. So a lot of people also accused them of being like the Lutz family and just trying to get a quick buck. Yep. Well, I mean, the fact that they lived there for two years is kind of the opposite. Um, a little, a little sketch. Yeah. Although I did just find an article that said that they, they were aware of, aware of the Lutz family and that they had profited, profited handsomely from selling the rights to their quote unquote true story. So, yeet. Yep. Yeah, they were aware. Yeah. I think that's, that's so counter and I don't, I don't like it. It makes me sad. This whole thing makes but it, gra- it made for a great movie. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Or just a scary story. Like, I think... Um, Stephen King has the right idea. Just like write something scary and don't say, "Oh, it's true." I like that. That's fine. That mother, that motherfucker. That tell you, hmm? he's got gargoyles at his house. I'm not surprised. Okay, I'm absolutely <laughs> not surprised. Um, I can't remember if they were on the house or if they were on like the columns of his fence. But either way, he does have them on his house. I've seen. I walked past his house in Maine. That's cool. I appreciate that, man. There you go. Gross. I, I couldn't. You There is a documentary. I think if you get to, like the Blu-ray edition of A Haunting in Connecticut, there's like a, an interview that they do with the mom. Yeah. And it's on there. Oh, if it was late 80s and the parents should still be alive. Yeah. See, that's what I was thinking. Okay. I was like, I don't know about it. Um, I'm trying to figure out what it was called, that documentary, because it was so fucking good and it was really scary. And I can't for the life of me remember, but that's the first, like, scary thing that I had ever seen. And it was so good. I'm sorry. It's fine. We'll have to... We'll we'll still go, we'll still go back. Yeah, it's fine. I'll figure it out eventually. Okay, cool. But yeah, that's hmm, interesting. All right, All right. Well, thank All you right. for this so, story. Yeah. Because I really wanted to cover that. And I was like, wait, what's the story behind it? And that inspired the whole... Let's compare movies to the real story. No, I think it was good. I really like that. I think we should make this a series. This is fun. I like this. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. it.
Word. Thanks okay. for coming to our uh, movie talk. Movie talk. Movie talk. <laughs> it just gives us a reason to watch scary movies. Absolutely. God, no. Why did I do this? This is great. Why I did know, I... I don't know what you're talking about. I'm having No. Why did I... <laughs> I realize my mistake now. <laughs> I fucked up. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, if you want to check us out, please be sure to head on over to our website at hauntherabarelynowher.com. We have a contact page where you can reach out to us for some storage suggestions, um, tell us a funny joke, or drop some stories, or say hi. Uh, you can also slide over to our social medias, Instagram and Twitter, at H-H-I-B-K-H podcast. Get off your phone. I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're almost done. Um, I'm on Twitter. Katie's on Instagram. I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Zoe on Twitter. I am on Instagram. And, uh, yeah. I think that was it, right? Yeah, that's all we that's do? That's it. Yeah. Okay. I've had COVID, so I don't remember. Yeah, I know. I had COVID. You did. Yeah. Now we both have. There we yeah. are. It, this is going to be like a, we're going to, it's like, like um, it'll be like Gemini Taurus, but like you had Delta, I had yeah, Omicron. Yeah. I think I think I had Delta. I don't know. One, the first or second round, I don't fucking remember. I can't remember if you had caught the first or second one. I don't know. I think you caught the second I one. I think I did too. I think it was, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have it until like right before Thanksgiving. Wait. No, you caught it in 2020, right? Yeah. You caught the original. Ugh. Look at me. I'm yeah. an OG. What's up? You're the OG. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. Okay, cool. Great. We. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> until next time. Hot her. I barely know her. Or anybody that has to do with the Warrens. <laughs>